Hello there, and welcome to the fifth episode of the Play Call Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Willie. Ah. You want to switch names for today? <laughs> okay, we could keep that in there. This is episode five of the Play Call Podcast. I'm Nick Williams. And <laughs> this right here is Jose Roden, who butchered the intro, but, you know, we'll let it slide. He hasn't um, introed in uh, a few weeks now. So... It's all right. Stakes happen. It's okay. That will be on blooper report. Oh, God. But <laughs> we have some talk today. We're going to get into the NBA and then the NFL, some NFL talk. And what's on the topic for, for the first one, the NBA talk? What's the first one we're going to talk about? I, I want to hear it loud. Hear it Dennis Schroeder. The MVP of the league, Dennis Schroeder. What is it? How many years? All I know is that he wants a hundred million dollars, and that's. Does he that's, deserve it? No. Why not? Because I feel like I need to look. He makes what? He makes fifteen point five million right now. How? What's what? <laughs> what's fifteen million divided by a hundred? A hundred divided by fifteen is six years. So, dude is gonna need like I don't even know if he's worth fifteen. So he's gonna need like a really long contract to get it to a hundred million. I think that's what's gonna need to happen. It's gonna be like an eight-year contract. If, if he wants $100 million, that's what he needs to do. It's not going to be like four years. Let, let, let's start it off here. Because reports are saying that Dennis Schroeder has communicated, and media has used that word, communicated, that he is seeking $100 million to $120 million, uh, yeah. in his upcoming free agency. All right, I, so <laughs> Schroeder didn't have the best of seasons. No. Um, he had a phenomenal season of OKC. His fit with the Lakers, I personally grown to not like. Uh, I just don't think him being with LeBron and AD is fitting for him. He kind of was just in and out of the motions and wasn't a main threat within the Lakers offense. He was eh, defensively, but, you know, I don't know if this man is going to get 100 mil. I don't even know why we are entertaining this. <laughs> I just find it so funny. It, it, it's funny. But you know what? I shouldn't say that because an idiot is always born in the NBA. Imagine. The ma- uh, we talked about the magic, but I don't know if they're that dumb to do it. Um, when I say there's idiots, the Lakers giving Timothy Mozgov that contract back in 2016. Uh, 
the Memphis Grizzlies paying for Chandler Parsons, that big contract. <laughs> What's another contract? I'm trying to think off the top of my head. <laughs> I can't even consider, like, I think Terry Rozier, it's not a bad contract. He's well, been playing ter- good. Yes. Yeah, look, so I think my thing, what did Terry Rozier get? Like, now I'm looking at spot, what is it? Spot, spot track? So is is he better than Terry Rozier? Like that's that's where I'm at. Like this season, no. Um, so I I don't know if that's what he it, should not be realistic. getting. It's not realistic with how okay. he played. And again, I I say that I don't think he's a really good fit on the Lakers. The Lakers need more of a a scorn a scoring-minded point guard. That's the one thing they need. But what team would offer Schroeder that money? I don't know. So, But I think there's someone out there who will entertain it, possibly. Someone. I know. There's 30 teams. There's got to be someone. And I'll probably bank on that fact. He probably won't get a hundred mil, but he'll get something near that, possibly. But I don't. I don't think, you know. All right, for a Chicago Bulls. No, 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 no. Please don't do that, Chicago Bulls. Please don't. I don't. I'm not a Chicago Bull fan, but I'm a fan of what they could be building, and I don't like it. Speaking of about the Bulls, there. Yeah. Terry Rozier is three years, $57 million. That's not bad. Yeah, that's not bad. He isn't playing good. Right now, Dennis Schroeder in all of NBA guards is making 38. He's, He's the 38th highest paid guard. He is making... 200,000 less than Karis LeVert. If there's a world where Dennis Schroeder is making more than Karis LeVert, I don't know how I will be able to continue. Dude, there was was a world where Timothy Mozgov was making bank than majority of the league over some really good players. I I don't... This league is anything. (laughs) So I'm, (laughs) I'm not ruling out the possibility, man. I, I wanna I wanna find who would have a similar contract to him. Like bro, Zach Levine signed four years 78 million. Like there's no way like that was kind of seen as like an over. Let's look at Malcolm Brogdon. Can I can I open his contract? Okay, okay. okay. I just I we, just we, he's we not better to, than these players. We, we do you think he deserves it over Patrick Beverly? Over those two, who would you give the max to? Pat Bev or Schroeder? Can I give the max to myself? Like, there's no point of paying them that much. Well, let me do. Let me do you one better. Reggie Jackson or Dennis? Reggie Schroeder. Jackson. Yeah. Because <laughs> at least he can play defense. There was like a at least he. I saw where um someone said Reggie Jackson is who Dennis Schroeder believes he is. Which was spot on. I wish I could find a tweet and like at the person to give him credit, but I don't remember 
who it was, but whoever said that, you sir are spot on. Yeah, like that's like that's good. That's a good tweet. All right, Malcolm Brogdon, four years, eighty-five million. Like I can't get over the fact that he thinks he's better than Malcolm Brogdon. Well, a lot of these players, I think this is another topic, is that they they believe they are more than they actually are. Um, yeah. And, and this come and this is where the player friendly league comes into play, where and the salaries going up every year, basically where max money just thrown around, thrown around, thrown around. So where a player like Schroeder, he can get that money. He didn't have the best of years. I don't know why he would want to communicate that he wants that money. Uh, but I know that some of these players, they're heavily deluded. <laughs> some of these players are heavily deluded. And seeing this from a, seeing this from a player like Schroeder is, is not surprising. I feel like there's a lot of players out in the league that believe they deserve $100 million. Probably Michael Carter Williams believes he deserves that money. Hey, no Michael Carter Williams slander here. I love. Oh, Michael I'll slander Williams. Michael Carter Williams all at once. No. no. <laughs> but let me let's get off of this BS topic. I, I, I'm done with it. Uh, you wanted to talk about Hawks Bucks and just give a brief update with that. Go ahead, sir. Giannis is hurt. And that's sad. I really wish he wasn't hurt. Uh, I, I thought this is how the series would have gone, actually, except without the injuries. Like, I thought Hawks, two bucks, Hawks, two bucks. Like, that's how it would play out. And it would just be 4-2, and, like, that would be what it is. The issue is now with... Giannis hurt it kind of changes the landscape of it and like what happens if Trey comes back and Giannis doesn't for game five like is Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday about to drop 30 I think Trey is questionable for the next game uh I don't think he's gonna play but it seemed like it'll be at a battle of the role players again yeah, but then now we're looking at the Bucks role players are like their two best role players are Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, who are all-star caliber players. So like the Hawks have Clint Compella and John Collins. And if if Brogdon was healthy, I think it would be different, but he had a good game last game too, I think. Let me check. But yeah, no, like I'm 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 saddened by the injuries, but I'm kind of excited just to see what happens now. Bogdanovich. Yep, do you 20 think, points. He played better. Do you think um because the series is tied two up now? Game four was um a few days ago. I, the Giannis injury aside, with Trey Young out, this team, the Bucks, still managed to lose. Yeah. Yeah. the The weird part was that 
<laughs> like they were kind of losing this whole game. Yeah. Without Trey. Like that was a that was very concerning. I think I think they didn't know how to play against the Hawks without Trey because their whole defense has been let's stop Trey. And then with Trey not being there, they were like, How do we play defense? And then Lou Williams was like Okay, cool. Wouldn't that be the simpler thing that, okay, you don't have someone who can score and play make at the level of Trey out there on the court. Now we just have to clamp up on their own guys there. Wouldn't that be much easier? Apparently not. I I, I don't think so, actually. Because, like, let's look at it. Let's look at it like this. Like, maybe, like, say... You're going up against, like, the Falcons last year. Julio Jones was, like, always teetering on the line of is he going to play or is he not going to play, right? If your whole game plan is to stop Julio Jones and then Sunday at 1 and you're playing a 4 o'clock game, he's like, you know what, I can't play this game. My foot hurts too much. Now what do you do? Like, how do you change your whole game plan that you have been practicing in practice every week back to something that you haven't been practicing like over a couple of hours. And I think that's, it catches you off guard because you planned all this. But in this case, like, I mean, it's the playoffs. Like you gotta be built. Like you build every, the entire season to be ready for anything basically. What if they didn't have Giannis or if they have to face off against probably a a lesser opponent without Trey Young? I mean, like, it's Mike Budenhoser, and the thing that everybody kind of gets on him is adjustments, and he kind of stayed true to himself by not making adjustments. Holiday, poor shooting. Middleton poor shooting. Poor shooting. Middleton is just inconsistent. Yeah. <laughs> like his his highs are extremely great, but his lows is just like, damn, damn. <laughs> damn. Is there can we get a better option other than Chris? It, like the discourse is it's, it's so you... it's so it's so hard. It's so hard. Out of all these playoff teams, it's so hard to root for the Bucks. It, it is. is so hard. This is why, really is. even though I had the Bucks winning against the Nets, a part of me was just like, "Please, Nets, put them out their misery. <laughs> just put them out their misery." Just... Well, <laughs> the Bucks against the Miami Heat was kind of different. I still resent the Nets for not doing that. <laughs> James Harden and Kyrie Irving got hurt. Like we were talking before we recorded, like how good they were as a team. And like if they were healthy, maybe Bucks win one game. Like it changes the whole thing based off the way the Bucks have played. And the weird thing is that it feels like the Bucks don't play without being motivated. Like they were motivated to beat the Heat and they swept them, but also the Heat were not as good as they were last year and then you're just like oh i don't the bucks are just such a weird team man 
I I don't know. As I said, I want I want the Bucks to succeed, but it's so hard with how they play and how how just basically how they play. It, it just makes it hard for you to stay consistent with rooting for them. Like with the Suns, with the Suns, I am so glad they got to the finals. Like how they play basketball, it's just so easy to latch on and be like, I hope they win. I hope they succeed. With the Bucks, it's just like, damn, man. Like who 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 can we get rid of in free agency? What what can we do? <laughs> I already been it's telling weird. you. Yeah, it's weird. Chris Middleton for CJ. Like it helps out both teams. I don't think you give up. As I said before, Chris is a two-way player. CJ doesn't – CJ score um, gives you the scoring option, but the defense lacks. And No, but what – if, if, if guys – if opposing teams have players who they can poke at and go at, especially with CJ, it's not going to end well. But it's the idea of, like – Yes, technically you can go at CJ. But also, you have Drew Holiday as your... Like, people went at Stephen Curry every playoff series. But Clay Thompson still guarded the best guard. Like, they could have that similar, not like a much lesser version of... Clay Thompson and Stephen Curry, but CJ and Drew, where it kind of equals out. And Drew is more of a two guard. He's considered a combo guard. He prefers to be off ball and not the play creator. And CJ, when has taken more responsibility as a play creator when a shot, getting assists and making others better, he's gotten better at that. So it like equals out. And then on top of that, you already have Giannis and Brooke Lopez. So if anybody really gets by CJ, like the rim is decently protected. So like it would work. You would just need to be like, okay, our defense will get a little bit worse, but our offense will get a hell of a lot better overnight. Does it though? Yeah. Like, Pick and rolls with Giannis and CJ are so much better than pick and rolls with Chris Middleton and Giannis. True, it's not looking Chris. But I, I, it, the Chris and Giannis pick and rolls is like the most awkward thing ever. Like yeah. I just don't know how to describe it, but it's just like, neither of them know yeah. what to do. <laughs> so, like when you watch it, neither of them like. I mean know where to go but they figure it out like midway it's weird well it's how it's defended like you take away the Giannis role yeah you can get over the screen to stay home on um Chris just mostly play in a drop in a yeah. way both players you just, just take drop. away that Giannis role it's it's interesting. Well, like, because then you can't drop on CJ. Like, you have no, to get up in CJ's face because he's one of the best mid-range shooters, and now he's evolved into a really good three-point shooter. So, like, there's no dropping. 
Drew, you can drop a little bit, but still also maybe less than Chris. So it gets it gets interesting. Who do you think takes this series? Bro, I don't even want to answer that. Cause because like what happens if Trey, well, we know Giannis is sitting out game five, but what happens if they both come back game six and say Atlanta wins this game and then Giannis just overpowers everybody. Like it said that it was what? Like there was no structural damage. So he could potentially be fine. It's just going to be painful for a while. Like, I don't know. I feel like he kind of just pushes himself to come back and like. Yeah, that too. Yeah, and And Trey will probably do the same thing. Yeah. But also, who do you think has the best? Take Trey and Giannis off. Who do you think has the best supporting cast? The Bucks. Like, the Bucks are the better team. But then, like, I feel like Giannis is extremely passionate and, like, can will them to some wins at times because he's so good and, like, he at what he does he's really good and he can overpower people whenever he wants and when he decides to not take threes he can just kind of dominate like who's going to take over the game like are we going to get another Lou Williams game where he's just like dominant out of nowhere Lou's capable like, of that he is but on a consistent level that he would need to be to outplay Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton if they're playing to what we expect them to be. That's like, like, Bogdanovich is now their best player. And I love Bogdanovich, but... You want to say Collins? I mean... Collins is weird. Like, they won and he scored four points in the last game. So I it gets interesting. Cam Reddish I think is going to make it interesting cuz he can kind of defend Chris Middleton defend a little bit better. I give him props cuz I've been a hard I've been hard on Cam, but he really came out and did a good job yeah. on Chris Middleton. I want to see if the Hawks explore that more. Um yeah. I want to say that the Bucks have the better supporting cast, but I'm not heavily sold. Like, I think the Hawks have players who can attack and just put pressure on them offensively. Like, Gallo, he can, they can get a switch for Gallo, put him in the post, and he can work there a little bit and also shoot the ball. Lou Williams is also underrated as a guard. He can he's natural born scorer, so he can get to his spots, attack you and drop coverage or just get to his mid-range. And then they have shooting options in Herder, Bogey, John Collins is the guy who can pop, pick and roll, can also get in the post a bit. And they still have Clint there. And then we didn't even say anything about Cam Reddish. I, I mean, I know that DeAndre Hunter is not playing, but DeAndre Hunter is good. Yeah. So compared to this Bucks team without Giannis, 
and you got a player who you don't know what you'll get from offensively in Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. If he gets going, he gets going, but he can, he kind of has games where he's just in the motion and is not really looking to attack to get to his spots. So, and then what would Brooke Lopez be in, be an option? Pat Connaughton, Bryn Forbes, are these consistent offensive guys? I wonder. I wonder if um, Brook Lopez go back goes back to Nets Brook Lopez and just that's, starts that's bodying people in the post. That'd be interesting. That he was doing in that Heat series mm-hmm. a little bit in that Nets series, but I don't think you can do that against like a Clint Capella. Yeah, like you no. can do that against like Bam Adebayo and Blake Griffin where they're just small ball fives and all that. But Clint has some size and he can he can pressure. But you can use it you can use it semi as like a decoy or like attack a switchable defense if they try to switch like what are they going to yeah, do with yeah. Lou Williams? I mean not Lou Williams like Drew Holiday or Forbes. Like are they going to switch onto those guys because if they're going to be open on three. They're going to take it. And Forbes is definitely going to hit his four threes that he takes. He's at least going to go two or four. So you kind of, it gets interesting in the sense of how do you defend against that? And then if you're running pick and rolls with Forbes and Lopez, but again, like the Bucks are just such a weird, inefficient, intuitive, unintuitive offense that like it's frustrating because their roster is built to do so many things and they don't do the right things in the right moments. And then it doesn't look good. It's just frustrating as a NBA fan to watch the Bucks play offense sometimes. Cause there's stretches where they just look like they do nothing. I don't Let me ask you something. Uh, who do you think has more gravity as a player, Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday? I don't know. I I I want to say Chris cuz I feel like he's the better shooter overall. But Drew Holiday is a better creator and is still not a bad shooter i don't know that's such a weird well let's just numb it down like who would you think defenses have to channel in more on would it be chris or drew you did say that chris is like a better shooter he can get to the mid-range and shoot the three and also could work a bit in the post and get to the rim drew can do some of that too, but it's just like you kind of live with him shooting. Yeah, like that's that's where it gets weird because you can live with Drew shooting, but Drew's a better creator for others. So then, with Giannis out, like, it also create Chris and you know Drew has to create more. They they have to do more for the team yeah. to make up for it. With Trey out. 
you know, Lou Williams could take over. He doesn't have that gravity of playmaking that Trey does, but he can at least match him a bit with scoring. And then he has other options that he can go to. Like Herder is a guy that can come off screens. Bogey's a guy who could take the ball off of Lou and, and make plays. And the point I'm just getting is that the Hawks supporting cast is just good. It's, it's really good. And it's something that we've underrated so much throughout the season. In all fairness, they were all injured. They went through injuries. Mm-hmm. But they still went through the motions as a team. Nate McMillian has really just grabbed his team and just ran with them. And then just knowing DeAndre Hunter is out and they still have Cam Reddish there. It, it's scary. It's scary. And I think even if they don't get to the finals now, a few – probably even next season or the season after we're going to be saying that this is the best. If we're not saying already the, the best constructed roster in, in just the limited time that they have. And they did it basically in one off season. It's a really good roster. We can't underrate. It's a really good roster and we can't underrate that. Like we all knew it was going to be a good offensive team. But they work in defensively. They really pressure in these yeah. this Bucks team. So I'm I'm really proud know, of these man. Hawks. I'm really yeah. proud of these Hawks. So I, I kind of want to see them in the finals. I think it just gets so like interesting because like yeah, like the replacement for Trey would be Lou Williams, as we saw, and his skill set is not it's not to the level of Trey Young. I didn't even talk about Onyeka and Kangu. I didn't even mention Onyeka. He's another option, another big, another guy who can be a defensive guy, rim roller to take off from Clint Capella. Yeah, I, I even forgot about Anyeka. Anyeka—that's that, just how deep this team is. So, I was excited for Chris Dunn when they signed him, but he hasn't really panned out in the way that I wanted him to. But yeah, like their their team can go so deep, and that's so like interesting how well their their GM was with the Warriors too, right? Before, like right. The year they drafted Trey, they signed a new GM from the Warriors who was like their yeah, assistant yeah, GM. Yeah. And like, I was like, that's so smart. Cause then if you draft Trey, you then like can create a similar team. And they, they haven't, they've created a different team built around the same mindset at the Warriors, which is very interesting. Like, it's built around getting play creators and shot creators and people who can make threes and then people who know their role defensively and can commit to that. And it's, it's very interesting. Like I'm excited for like Hunter will be good next year because he's been good. Cam Reddish is finding his role on defense and maybe he starts taking more on offense. Yeah. Also, we need to see more of him defensively too, but 
his potential as a player it's up it's, there it's just yeah. we need to see if he can if he can actually get there because he has paul george type potential yeah like that i think that's I, that's where i could see cameron should be in but yeah i i saw a post on twitter with Kawhi and Paul George next to us, and they were like, "This is DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish in five years." And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> this is where we're going." Okay, but like, yeah, like the the archetype of player is similar, and it's interesting when you have Cam Reddish really involved into the team, and how his defense kind of elevated in this game guarding Chris Middleton. He has the length. He has like the size to be able to keep up with Cam Reddish. So like if you could just throw, I mean Chris Middleton, if you could just throw Cam Reddish on Chris Middleton and make his life difficult when Chris Middleton is not on, his life could be made very difficult. Like we've seen numerous times in this series, but we've also seen him go off and be the hot Chris Middleton, which is and take over. That that's 38 points. So, like, yeah. That's what I'm saying. His highs is the beautiful thing to watch. But Chris Middleton at his low is just, oh, boy. And then you can't really defer to anyone else. Jay Tucker going to get you yeah. Giannis-type numbers? No. That's that's what I was looking scary. at. I was, I was looking at the roster. For this Bucks team. Yeah. Like, I, I was looking at the roster, and I was like, you can not replace Trey Young, but with a number of like three players, you could get somewhere there. You know? Yeah, like like Lou Williams, Cam Reddish, and like Herder with a mix with Bogdanovich, and you get closer to what Trey's production would have been. And if Lou Williams has a really dominant offensive night, you can get even closer to that number. No one on on this Bucks roster can match Giannis, and that's that's kind of the scary part. Like, yes, their roster has more gifted players, but the replacement for Giannis is kind of non-existent. While the Hawks did a really good job of creating like-minded role players who can kind of fit into like this next man up mentality to fill this massive gap of Trey Young. I think that's interesting. I, I just want to give that nugget about the Hawks. Like w- what they're doing is is a team effort. It's not really just Trey Young. Yeah. It, it's a lot of just team effort plays. And a lot of offense is on um, Trey Young, but it, it's so perfectly structured around Trey. It's what Dallas, I'm saying that as a Mavs fan, needs to take note of. They need to study what Atlanta did with Trey and damn near do the same thing with um Luka. Because I think they hit a home run. It basically started with them getting Clint perfect as you said Rudy Gobert East Rudy Gobert East and he has that rim rolling you know gravity he helps this defensive he anchors this defense 
he made that crazy shot like behind the backboard last game. It was, it was pretty <laughs> crazy. I I didn't know that Clint had that, but you know. I think that was more luck than he has that in his bag. Nah, he got that in his bag. He got that in his bag. <laughs> okay. But yeah, that that's that's what I just want to touch on. Um, but anything else you would say about this series? I ha- I thought of something interesting as you said, Rudy Gobert East. And surprisingly, I haven't thought about it yet. But what happens if the Bucks take? note of what the Clippers did to Rudy Gobert and the Jazz and just run five out and P.J. Tucker's your center with or Bobby Porras is your center who can hit threes and you just force Capella to be outside covering the wing. Like, what do you... Like, once if they do that? Because then now... I think who's, who's defending the paint? I think Capella's mobile to do that. I think so too. And if anything, they have Onyeka where they can go to who can do that. I I would I would like they can find the Bucks. I would see if that's something I could experiment with to try to catch the Hawks off guard. Like you know how like when the Mavericks ran out Boban. And, like, I was excited because I thought that they won the game in the first 10 minutes by just surprising the Clippers with a Boban zone, and the Clippers didn't know what to do, and they pretty much held the lead for the game. I wonder if the Hawk, the Bucks, just do something crazy at the start. They, they catch the Hawks off guard, and that momentum carries them to a win. And then you're looking at, Giannis and Trey coming back for game six. Like, I wonder if they can do something interesting. But again, it's Bud, and what interesting things does he do? I don't know. But we'll see if um the Bucks go to that. Or you're trusting Bud to, you know, make adjustments. But <laughs> I don't know if that will happen. Uh, who do you think wins the game tonight? It's tonight, right? Yeah. I think it's tonight. Yeah. Jeez, oh, I don't. I don't even know who. Like, if Trey is playing, probably the Hawks because we know Giannis is out. Hmm. What do you say? I don't think Trey's playing. You don't think Trey's playing? I, don't I know he's y- playing. I know Giannis isn't. You know what? Bucks are going to win. Chris Middleton is going to step up. Chris Middleton is going to step up, and it'll be interesting. Who do you think is going to win here? Uh, Where are we in the ATL? No, we're in Milwaukee. Yeah. It requires me, if Giannis is not playing, it requires me to trust Chris Middleton. I'm not comfortable with that. But I feel like there's a sense of urgency now, so I'll go for the Bucks. But yeah. we are going to go into the Suns Clippers now. Going away from the Hawks and Bucks. The Suns took game six, and they are advancing to the NBA Finals. You know, and just their 
first playoff series in like a long time. So that's a thing. Takeaways from that series from you? Uh, Devin Booker's really good. Everybody who said that he was a good stats, bad player team is clearly wrong. Uh, Chris Paul is one of the better point guards to ever play in the NBA. And Paul George is still as annoying as ever. So, yeah. Like, Paul George had a great series. And I think he came out and said, like, I didn't understand all the hate that he was getting. Like, he said something like that. And then I was thinking about, like, didn't he go, like, 5 of 20 in a game and miss two clutch free throws? So, like, like playoff P and pandemic P are both extremes. Paul George is just a really good player in the middle who can be great like he did in game five or he could also just be okay in other games that he was in. I don't know. I'm I'm interested in Clippers off season surrounding Kawhi, but I also don't want to really take away from the Suns too much, but like that team is so good. I love that team. What what are, what are you 41 Oh gosh, yeah, bro. 41 points eight assists and the the hotness that he heated up basically in the first quarter where he got like a couple of threes going uh and, and got some mid-range shots going and it was just all chris paul from there on out like Devin booker had like what 21 22 points like it was just a okay game not really an efficient game from Booker, but like Paul just took over. Yeah, Man, Chris Paul had scary. 10 points in the first half scary. and 31 in the second. Yeah. Like, Chris and, and it Paul... wasn't even just like, he just broke down his defenders and just basically got to his spots. It wasn't really rough defense on him so well he just went through the motions and got shots i would say pat bev pushing him in the back in the middle of a timeout is rough defense that's not even defense that's just him being an ass like that that's a what was the sense in that like with the game Pat Beverly was having, that what he did basically just said basically just negated all that and like everyone just hated him because just like what are you doing and why are you pushing a guy when he, he's not even facing you? That's like the most coward shit ever. Like <laughs> Pat Bev is something else, man. <laughs> Pat, Pat Bev, Pat is, Bev is funny, man. He's so funny. I I don't and, know. And you know. He's what? one of those. We're, we're, I could see why Russell Westbrook hates him, man. Because well, Russ, yeah. Russ hates him, man. He was the yeah. one who got him injured back in OKC. Like, because Pat Bev is good because he's so intense. Like his game is just being just extremely intense all the time and doing anything he can to win 
at any possible cost. So diving for a ball and not intentionally hurting Russell Westbrook, but he was okay about it happening. Play get get gets kind of dirty. Yeah. Like there's intensity. Like he is an intense player, but within that intensity, he gets a bit dirty. He's a go at it with with all costs. Yeah. No matter the cost guy type of guy. And that type of guy could be dangerous to a player, as Westbrook knows, and a lot of NBA players know. It's it's interesting. Like the Pat Bev situation is because like Chris Paul is the same way, but smart about it. Like Chris Paul is all that's about a good way of it. <laughs> getting into the mud and like doing everything he needs to do to win. And what he does to win is draw fouls and flop. Like <laughs> that's like that's that's what it's about. But he does it in a way where it makes sense. Yeah, not he's that not it, getting into scrapes with anyone. He's just gonna yeah. outsmart you a bit. And I think he just might have outsmarted Pat Bev a little too much, and Pat Bev got angry. Pat Bev just got into his feelings. He yeah, got into his feelings in the game. It happens. Going to Cancun. It's a tight game. You elimination game at home. Yeah, everything's not going your way. You're not really finding offense and. This guy's lining you up and probably exchanged some words okay? and, and you retaliated, but that's not what we do. That that's that's coward pushing a dude in the back like that. But yeah. What'd you think about that Pat Bev cross on Chris Paul though? You think it's worth 100 million? No. <laughs> I like I don't I think it was a pretty good crossover. Like, I didn't know Pat Bev had that in him. I didn't know he had that in him either. It was very unexpected. I think it's, it's worth for a team to give him 100 million just based off that play. You're crossing I, up one of the greatest point guards of all time like that, man. I think that in basketball, all the NBA players are extremely skilled. And eventually, they're going to do something like that. But to not even know that Pat Bev had that in the bag till that game or until that moment kind of made the argument that he really shouldn't get a hundred million. Just because that's the only time we've ever seen that in an extensive You don't have to get deep into it. He's I'm just not... saying. <laughs> Look, I like seeing dudes get paid, but like I don't I don't ever think Pat Bev worth that. No. But, um, with this, actually, he made a tweet. He added Chris Paul on Twitter and said, at CP3, emotions got the best of me last night, gang. My bad wasn't meant for you. Congrats on making it to the finals. Best of luck. It wasn't meant for you? Was he trying to push someone else? I'm a little confused. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm I'm a, who is he trying to push? Maybe there was a ghost or something. <laughs> he was what trying is? to protect idiots saying you did the right thing, don't apologize. Ooh, oh NBA fans get get on my nerves so much, man. You did the right thing by pushing someone in the one dude said you did the right thing pat we know how cp3 is i mean like cp3 can trash talk all he wants but he's not gonna square up with you like pat bev was trying to it's just the action that chris paul wasn't even facing him and he just came up from behind yeah just pushed him that's that's coward that's coward stuff God. Like he's not facing you. If anything, you 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 talk your stuff to him, but you go off to the other bench. Like you don't want to engage in stuff like that, especially when you can risk getting a tech and thrown out, and just like going out that way. But it just didn't make sense. I don't know, man. Let's go back to the Suns, man. DeAndre Ayton. That's the guy. He's so good. Let's... He good. Mr. A10. A10. He's so good. Let me ask you this. What? Do you think with now the Suns get into the finals, are they vo- with DeAndre A10 and him playing a larger role, do you think he is void of the so-called the Suns making the mistake of passing up on Luka? Yeah. They're void of it. They they don't get any criticism for that. I like the idea of picking Aiden Aiden over Luca is fit, right? And the value of not having also like, talent too. Well, no, no one- I'm, I'm no, not talking no about the talent. There's no, there's no one who thought Luca was going to be like this, especially in his first year. No I think there was people. No, there's no yeah. way. So, no, like we thought Luca was going to be good, but like not making plays and just being a franchise guy—that was at least going to take a couple of years. Like, I think I people knew he was going to be a franchise. Like people who knew things. Knew he was going to be a franchise guy. Maybe they didn't expect it in year one. Maybe they expected yeah, it in like year three. Like, but I think it's something that people should have expected anyway. Like, stars are getting younger and younger. Like, Tatum, Mitchell, first years straight up, they're the franchise guy right away. And Luca looked like he could have been on that path from the start. Aiden Tatum, Tatum yeah, like dude Tatum? took first season. He went to the Eastern Conference Finals game 7 with Braun, man. Like if you do that, you're you're good. But yeah, I, I understand that, but you never saw like over the course of the season where it's just like there there was some growing pains there was some you know learning but you didn't like expect Tatum like right out of the gates that first season he's your star that was Kyrie that was Kyrie but 
Tatum wasn't the, the star in the first year. He didn't grow to that yet. If anything, Jalen Brown was getting more to that than Tatum at that time. No, he dunked on LeBron. Like, he did that a lot. That doesn't mean that you're going to be a star. I One think dunk he, doesn't mean... They didn't have Kyrie Irving that year. Did they? Jeez. My brain is all messed up from this heat. Look, I I think let's let's look at Jason Tatum. I I think that like there's a string of players now that when they came into the league in their first year, they solidified themselves as cornerstone type players. I think Mitchell Tatum have been players who have done that. And Luca yeah, Jason Con- Tatum's rookie year. Yeah. That was yeah. the first 2017. Yeah. Did they have Kyrie Irving that year? Yep. Still, There's man, no way I- that that team is getting to the Eastern Conference Finals without Kyrie. Isaiah Thomas he, he, wasn't. Kyrie Irving you know, was on a out. bad back. I, I don't know. I, it's okay. Okay, just get to your. Other all right. Place. So, so back we to the regular to... thing is that Aiden was a fit that they chose because it was they didn't want another playmaking guard. I also don't think that you can ever have enough of really good playmaking guards that are generational talents, not generational talents, but decade talents. Let's go with that. Like what Luca is like, he's extremely good but so is Devin Booker so like oh I think they just I don't know I don't think that they could be voided of it but I also don't think you can be mad at the Suns for taking him over Luka because they got to where they needed to go with a hmm and the and the growth of Aiden should be noted yeah like there was there's a lot of discourse on he needs to be more aggressive uh he needs to be more like aware defensively and he needs to grow as that defensive anchor he's been doing that throughout this entire playoffs and he's played a big role in in the stuns getting to the finals and realistically all started this all started from the bubble like yeah. you go eight and zero, oh, that that's nowhere near a fluke. No NBA game like that should be considered a fluke. Going eight and zero, it's yeah, already no. difficult enough winning a basketball game. Like I, I think people take that for granted when talking about the NBA. It, it's hard to do that. They won yeah, eight I, and zero when they were healthy. Got Aiden back. Now this season, finals. Like retooled the roster and got to the finals. Yeah, like, they went for experience and keep the pieces that work. Like, they got rid of Kelly Oubre, who's a good player for the experience and the better player in Chris Paul. They signed Jay Crowder as playoff experience because they knew they had a good team and a good young core with Cam Johnson and Mikel Bridges and Aiden and Bridges and uh, Booker. So, like, the combination like how we were talking about how the Hawks made a really good roster 
in uh, off season. The Suns have done that in two off seasons, which which is good. Like they, James Jones, GM of the Suns, I'm pretty sure, had, I know it's Jones, but really did a great job at. It's Jones, right? Yeah, I thought it was James Jones. Yeah. I know I'm bad with names, but sometimes I get them right. But he did a really good job of building a great roster through the draft. Like, he drafted for fit. And that's good. Like, Cam Johnson and Aiden were maybe overdrafted, but in the fit of the Suns, they work. Fair enough to say. So, back to the point, like, they they shouldn't be they should be voided from that contract from the whole Luca passing up on Luca. Anything. Gotta look at the Kings now. Oh, uh, but that's another topic for another day. Well, the uh, Kings messed up clearly. Like Marvin Bagley isn't as close to Luca or Trey. But then they also have De'Aaron Fox. But anyway. The Fox Luca backcourt. That would have worked. That could have worked. 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 The same as a Booker Luca backcourt would have worked, but then there would be no Chris Paul. There'd be no Chris Paul, and your your franchise center is Aaron Baines. <laughs> yeah, so like it gets <laughs> it gets weird in how you want to play with it. Like it, like who would now be their big? So it's it's something we 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 need what like an alternate universe machine thing to see what that would be it'd be interesting luca and booker would win a lot of games though so what if they don't you know secure bridges or any of those guys or something like that oh that's just another talk you should just be happy you have luca that's that's what you should be me yeah me yeah, you no, as I a am. Mavs fan. I'm just trying to defend. I'm just trying to defend the Suns franchise. Like they should be voided from that. Yeah. Because I'm sure as hell wasn't mad at them. You better not be. So, who would you have? You would have Trey right now. Be. That'd be interesting. Yeah. It would be interesting Thanks. if that trade never happened. Kings would have Aiden. Ooh, Luca and the Hawks. Oh my God. They would have won this series already. Let me not imagine that. Yeah. What let's because for the LA Clippers after this series. What what do you think they need to improve on to get back? Uh, to the conference finals and probably the finals. I think it's interesting when I go on Twitter and I see that if Kawhi was healthy, they would have swept the Suns. I don't think that's true. But I think it would have been... I think they would have won the series. I think they would have won the series too. Yeah, because Paul George had an amazing series and an amazing playoffs. And like it would have been interesting like to see that team because like 
now Terrence Mann is a role player and Ter- Terrence Mann is a really good player. And now he's coming off the bench and just being exciting. I think it gets very interesting. I think maybe Clippers win in six and it changes the whole direction. So I, they probably just go, you know what, let's re-sign Kawhi and hope his knee doesn't get hurt next playoffs. The issue is... Is Reggie Jackson a free agent? Yeah. Okay, continue. The issue is if Kawhi wants to stay or if he wants to make a win-now situation, which I did get an alert on my phone saying the Mavs and the Heat are going to be heavily in pursuit of Kawhi. So... The better fit would be the Mavs. The better fit would be the Warriors. You are still with this crap. You're still with this crap. Yeah. They are getting past Siakam, and they are going to like it. Uh, Pascal Siakam. The better fit would be the Mavs. Yeah. But I think where City and overall, like, friendship, I think it's the Heat because his connection with um, Jimmy Butler. But I don't know if the Heat can still, like, get out of the rut. I feel like they do make a push in their Eastern Conference team and NBA Finals contender. But getting a guy like Kawhi may have to sacrifice, which is not bad, like Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero and probably some of their other pieces on the team. Like, I'd imagine Drogic has to go and 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 you just work from there. I want to be mad to see Kawhi on the, the Heat. It'd be interesting. I would love to see him on the Mavs because he perfectly complements. He's Kawhi on the Mavs basically solves everything that they need. Yeah, pretty much. It solves everything. Defense is there, and you get another scoring option. I know. A reliable, I should put emphasis on that, a reliable second option. And he's evolved as a creator. So, yeah, he fixes everything. Also, maybe... Maybe another he inspire, big. He inspires KP to be better. You never know. I don't know, man. Kawhi just stri- strikes me as a guy that just, like, I don't blame him for it. He just strikes me as a guy who's, I'm going to work, have to do, and I'm going I'm to go home and relax. I, I don't need to influence older men. I'm just going to yeah. do what I have to do for the team. I would think his relationship would be Jimmy with Jimmy Butler would be interesting on the Heat if that's his personality. Well, they're said, or to be they like would complement each other. I'd imagine Kawhi is like vocal, but it's just not like vocal in a sense where he's going to be yelling and getting in the face of guys, but more so vocal of like like little murmurs here and there, and you know saying, "Hey, hey." clear out or stay here or, or stuff like that. He's not going to get in the, he's not going to be a Pat Devin is getting in the face of like his yeah. teammates and be like, yo, we need to do this. 
stuff or be like a, a Jimmy Butler in that sense. Um, and he, the thing is, he won't, he won't need to be if he's on the heat. Yeah. Donis Haslam is going to play until he's damn near 50. So he'll take, he'll take that charge. <laughs> well, play um, is the odd word. Be signed Robin? and be on the bench. Udonis Haslam isn't going to play till he's 50. He's just going to be under contract yeah, on the be bench very till he's 50. About the Udonis Haslam contract. We, we, we don't talk good things about Udonis Haslam so we could avoid Heat fans just trashing us. I mean, like, so he's not going to good play. things. Look. No, no. Udonis is the franchise center. All right. Yeah. You agree, right? Yeah. Thank you. So, yeah, so we go with that. And as I said, I would love to see him with the Mavs, but if he chooses between those two, I feel like he goes to the Heat. And plus, it's in the Eastern Conference. You don't got to go through the BS of what you got to do in the Western Conference. Yeah. But ultimately, I, was... I feel like he's safe. In LA, I agree. He's probably gonna stay in LA. I, I said that if the Mavs won, he would leave. If they lost in the second round to the Jazz, he would think about it. And if they made it to the Western Conference Finals, I think he would most likely stay. Like there was levels, and I think they've reached the level that they needed to get to. Plus, you were hurt. Yeah, like. You think about it, well, LeBron and AD next year. Luka will hopefully have a better team. I hope. Clay, Clay Curry, Siakam, and Green. I don't know how I feel about that thing. I really don't Do you want to talk about that, or do we want to no, go and focus on another team? This week. We'll save that for the off-season podcast. Eleven-year NBA veteran Michael Beasley has agreed to play for the Portland Trailblazers at Las Vegas Summer League in August. The GOAT, Michael Beasley. Now will actually transition into our, our, our next topic here, <laughs> uh, which is the Port, Portland Trailblazers. You, you know Michael Beasley, right? Yeah, he was on the, the Knicks. The GOAT. That's my guy. Dude, I remember he was doing this interview, and oh man, what was it about? It was like using ten percent of your brain. Yeah. And I, I was like that. mesmerized because this dude was like wearing a watch, like on his right and left wrist. I think there was a watch on his like ankle too. What the hell? <laughs> He's a pretty funny dude. I want him back in the league because he's he pretty funny. But anyways, the Portland Trailblazers. There's, there's been a lot of things going on with the front office, roster stuff. Uh, Damian Lillard probably being on the fence of leaving and, and – it's it's a stressful 
stressful time to be a, a Blazers fan because of what's going on in the on the team. So there's been reports on Portland on with Portland bringing in Chauncey Billups as the new head coach and Damian Lillard possibly thinking about leaving and that was by Chris Chris Haynes. But what do you think about the discourse of Portland now and you know where they go? Because it, it's it's a kind of interesting situation for Portland. I I think they're on the verge of blowing it all up. Like if, if Dame comes out and says I want to get traded, like what do you do? Like are they Blow the Rockets? Up. Yeah, they're the Rockets from last year, pretty much. Like now they're just trying away their two all stars in an effort to get draft picks and in an effort to rebuild. So they're no longer trading CJ McCollum to the Bucks for Chris Middleton because you don't need Chris Middleton because you're trying to get the number one draft pick. And Chris Middleton is not gonna get you the number one draft pick. I don't, I don't. Do well, you, do you, do you think he leaves? Do you think, do you do think, think Damian Lillard leaves? The thing is, I feel like if he does leave, it's going to be the front office pushing him away or making him feel like he has to leave or, or like rubbing him the wrong way. I think Damian Lillard, like, he wants to stay. He always said he wants to make it work and just win a chip his way or win his way. I think he even said before that he'll be com- comfortable uh, retiring without a ring. Obviously, stuff like that changes in the NBA. You, you kind of see guys winning and you want a taste of that. You want to get to the NBA finals. I know that there were, remember, there was a, uh, an interview with Kevin Durant and he was like that feeling of being in the 2012 NBA finals and not being there afterwards. It was just, it was just too much for him and he wanted to get back there. And it was like a major yeah. plot and him wanting to go to the Warriors. Of course. Dame has never been there. He's been to the conference finals, but the biggest stage in basketball is the NBA finals. So, well, <laughs> I mean, Dame like, is a competitor among all things. Yeah. It, it, it's a weird situation for him. Like, I don't blame him if he wants to leave. But ultimately, I think in his heart, he wants to stick it out. That, that's always been his main thing is just sticking it out. And he's going to do things his way, which I commend so much. But if this team isn't getting you there where you should be, we shouldn't blame you for leaving. That's how I feel about every player in the NBA, basically. Yeah, like, I think I want Damian Lillard to be really good because I've always liked Damian Lillard as the player, and I've always been kind of annoyed that the Trailblazers haven't been able to do anything with that. And it's just they like... They showed promise in that... 
2018-2019 season where they got to the Western Conference Finals. I mean, like... They didn't go anywhere. I don't know how to say this. That that run didn't prove anything to me that they were better than they were last the year before that or better than they were the year the next year like they them going to the western conference finals didn't make me believe that they were finals contenders like in no way did i think that that team was a final contender i thought they had a really good stretch led by damian lillard that brought them to the western conference finals well, to then get smoked in the one in the west yeah but i didn't i didn't think that if the the path to the final was different that they were better than the rockets i don't think they would have beaten a chris paul james harden rockets team that's just it like i didn't they were the made i would have to look back but they were not the second best team in the west that year and like that sucks to say because I love Damian Lillard, like I'm saying, but like there was no point in my mind have I ever seen the Trailblazers as an NBA Finals contender. Have you? No. Exactly. And that should be an issue. Like at least. OKC was considered a finals. De- Look, I think that Damian Lillard doesn't know what he's missing until he makes it to the finals and loses. Because I would even say that when he went to the Western Conference Finals, like it wasn't bogus. Like he carried his team to the Western Conference Finals, but like no one thought they were going to get that far and he carried them. And I don't know if he maybe got the full experience of being in the Western Conference Finals because they pretty much they didn't get dominated every game but it was a close game at halftime and it was a close game at halftime and then it wasn't every single game and like you can't really like I don't think he got the winning taste yet in order where Kevin Durant losing in 2012 was like, I haven't gotten back here and I need to get there. And I like, I let me, let me look at this playoff run by the Portland Trailblazers because I feel like they haven't made it out of the first round other than that year. Let me find it. Well, the next year they faced the Lakers. And they were like the eighth seed. And lost. The year before. That's the Lakers. They yeah. But I think, but I think like that's what I'm trying to say. Like, there was never a point in my mind that Trailblazers were gonna make it to the finals ever. Like, I never thought, you know what, Damian Lillard's going to get that finals experience. And I don't know, that that sucks. Like, at least with, like, James Harden on the Rockets, like, you thought they had a chance. 
I, I, I never thought they had a chance. And I think that Damian Lillard should do what is best for Damian Lillard, whether that's stay and not stay a mediocre team, but stay a regular seven to four seed in the playoffs or maybe leave and try to win. I wonder if he starts being recruited during this Olympics. That would be interesting because he's going to be a main part of that Olympic team. Yeah, that's going to be cool. You already know that's right. It's happening right now, basically. (laughs) Yeah, like you you, you can you could book that happening right now. I'm I'm excited for that. That's going to be interesting to see just like what comes out. Like what is Damian Lillard going to do? Do you think Dame's will to win is that strong that would make him want to leave? Do you think he has that will to win to say, you know what, I want to leave and I want to win? Do you think he'll ever come out and just do that? Like what what KD did? Um, I don't, I don't know. Like, I want him to. He seems like an incredible competitor. And I I don't know. Like, like Kevin Durant saying that him never getting to the finals and then not succeeding is what drove him to the Warriors. I don't think Damian Lillard going to the Western Conference Finals is what is similar like that's what i was trying to say and i don't i don't know man i i really there's want him to guy. want to go to the finals who there's another guy there's james harden he basically said there's nothing more i can do i want to yeah. win but there, there's nothing more i can do here i it's just i don't know if dame dame does that that's that's the thing, yeah. Because, like, I think he's in that realm of how we viewed James Harden when he asked for the trade. Like, it sucks, but there's nothing more he can do. You didn't build a better team around him this offseason. You're now a fringe playoff team. Like, what would trailblazers need to do to be finals contenders next year what what do they need to do nick who sacrificed some offense for defense that team basically runs through damian lillard and it ends with them it starts with damian lillard and it ends with damian lillard and then so you, you need a defensive wing uh and you need a good defensive coach to, to to get this team going. I don't know if Yusuf Nurkic. Actually, you know what? I think Nurkic is good. Yeah, you can survive with him being the starter. But I think they need to figure out a good two-way wing that they can go to. And they can rely on to score. And I'm mostly pointing towards trade in CJ. Well, yeah, that the, the CJ Chris thing. 
And I think I think that works in the way. And then you re-sign. What? It's CJ for Paul George. Oh, did I text you about that? How did I? How did I think about that? Yeah, I think you. I think you did, but I think Paul George is like perfect for this team. Yeah, he is. But then Kawhi would have had to left, and then the Clippers would have. Yeah. need to flip CJ because now they're rebuilding and trying to figure stuff out. Ooh, ooh, idea. Clippers trade Chris Paul to, I mean, not Chris Paul, Paul George to the Trailblazers. CJ goes to OKC and the Clippers get all their draft picks back. Or at least like three of them back. Anyway, three three team trade right there. We have CJ in OKC, Paul George in Oklahoma in uh the Trailblazers and the Clippers getting three of their draft picks back from OKC. Maybe maybe eh, it's it's, it's <laughs> just like know. a random idea that I that I thought of like because. That OKC maybe is not looking to be playoff contenders next year, but if the opportunity presented them itself to get a CJ McCollum and pair that with their two draft picks this year, or one if one gets flipped to the Clippers, along with SGA and Dort. Like if you put CJ, SGA, and Dort, it works. Because SGA and Dort are solid defenders. Yeah, so have Kemba there. Kemba's gonna get cut, man. Probably like send send Kemba to be the sixth man on the Trailblazers. Why not? Screw it. Yeah, send him to the G League. <laughs> Damn. Send him to the G League. Damn, highest paid G League player ever. I don't know. Like, there there needs to be the pool. Hmm. It's just a pool of two way wings. Yeah. Jeremy Grant. I don't think the 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 Pistons probably don't want to trade Jeremy Grant right now. Because they might be thinking we could we could be a playoff team next year. The the Pistons they could. Like, Kay Cunningham could maybe have that effect on them. Okay. I don't love that. I think they should just rebuild another year. Just go through. Oh, I think so, too. One more draft and then go off of that. They're also in the East. I know there'll be some. My thing is that they're in in the East. It's not their time yet. Like, they're just going to get back to the playoffs get bounced out by the Bucks or Nets and then back to the drawing board. They don't have the the, the picks. They do develop a Cade, but you know it, it Killian Hayes. I, I would say they, they take another year. Oh no, I think they take another year too. But like if Cade Cunningham is what people think he is, Killian Hayes figures some things out. They already have Bay, Stewart, and Grant. 
like that starting five is good. Like that starting five could push for like the eighth spot and maybe win, well, the ninth spot and maybe win like a playoff game or like a play in tournament game. Like it's, it's not impossible. I'm saying it's not impossible. But it's just um and also if Dame just going back to Portland and stuff, also if Dame leaving, Nurkic also said that he most likely would want out too. So a lot of this franchise is just if Dame stays. And I feel That's like he's now kind of on the fence. And especially now with the pushback of the coach of Chauncey Billups. And that goes into a deeper discussion that I've kind of been not, I don't even know if I should go into this discussion that I'm not mad with, but I'm annoyed with how it happens. And it's a consistent thing that I always see. But I don't know if I should get into it, man. That was a confusing statement. Because because the pushback is uh, the sexual allegation with Billups. Yeah. And they, but that was back in what, 1999? All right. Seven? He does. Hmm? Seven. Because I remember hearing, I remember hearing about it and I thought that's how old I am, so. It was also the pushback for Jason Kidd, which is deserved. Yeah. But it's just, I never seen, we didn't see this much outrage when Jason Kidd was on the Lakers assistant coach. And when Chauncey Billups was winning a championship with Detroit and going through multiple teams. Like we never seen it that much at this level. I'm not mad about the conversation. I'm just mad about the consistency of the conversation. I think it's because it's the first we're hearing of it. The Jason Kidd stuff has been already talked about. We knew. We knew about the Jason Kidd thing. He was still on the Lakers. Um, He was was even a Nets coach. We didn't hear much of it. He was even as the Bucks. Well, we heard of it, but we didn't hear it to the levels that we're hearing it now. He was on the Bucks. You hear like some murmurs of it. He will Lakers. Still don't really hear much about it. It's it's confusing. It's just the consistency of it all that kind of just get gets to me. Like the conversation should be had, no doubt about that. A lot of this is just consistency. But I'm gonna leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I, but I, I think don't it's even just... know if Chauncey Phillips. Go ahead. I was just gonna say that, like, it's it's a conversation to have, and then it shouldn't be ignored. And I think it's 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 weird that this is the first we're really hearing about it. Because I've listened to like some NBA podcasts. Because yeah, I didn't even know with, about it from Chauncey. Yeah, like, and I think that's the weird part is that, like, I'm listening to NBA podcasts of like guys who have been covering the league since like 1997. And they're like, we heard nothing. Like, 
And that's kind of the bigger issue that no one has heard about it till now. And I feel like that's the and also, that's the part I'm more upset about. Like how we dude was in the league for a yeah. while, got hired by ESPN, got hired by the Clippers, and we're only hearing about this now. Like we should have been known about this. And then maybe that plays into other ESPN decisions, but also, Dame said that he didn't really know much about it. Yeah. So there's only and and I I don't there's there's not a player who's who's on social media a lot or know what happened like years ago. Like these guys yeah. just going through the motions of their life. Some of these dudes don't live their lives on social media. They live their lives. A lot of these guys love being with their family. They're not gonna know every single thing about another person's life like there's yeah. pro- there's a lot of stuff i don't even know about my favorite player like in in dirk or like james harden or luca i don't know the ins and outs of their life they live their life well, they're not, not gonna know not, yeah. what chauncey phillips did in 1997 especially if it wasn't like known so much like you heard about it till now like you just said you didn't know much about it you- yeah, I didn't get the outrage against Damian Lillard because Damian Lillard seems like a good person, and so like. But there was also there was outrage at Lillard because he was looked at to be a guy that signed off on it. And how, he, if, he he didn't know. He I can believe he didn't know. Yeah, I can too. I I wonder if um, I think I think what makes it worse is how the Blazers have handled it. Because you have people asking questions about it in press conferences, and then they're ignored, and that's the weird part. That are you I referring don't... to that Twitter video? Um, yeah, I think they didn't like touch on. I think it was like the first question of that press conference. Yeah, that was. But the question that was asked was a follow-up question follow-up to that. that, so it wasn't the same exact question because. Um, Chauncey Billups had said um, that he learned from the experience and the stuff that usually what people say when they've been not convicted of sexual assault but settled it out of court usually say is that they learn from the experience and all this stuff which can be a fake answer or not but the follow-up question was what did you learn from your experience and that would and they he didn't get to answer that question because that would have shown that that would have been a great question for Billups to answer to explain how he has become a better person from doing such a horrible act and he didn't answer that and that's the weird part for me that's where the weird thing is the thing with Billups even not knowing about that like going through 2004, winning a championship as that leader. He, he's been known as a, a really good guy um, in the NBA. He's even been on ESPN. He did the ESPN stuff. It's just you never really, like, get that he's just this horrible person. With Jason Kidd, this dude did a whole lot of, like, 
questionable things. So it, it it's it's I understand the pushback from him, but like with Billups and us not knowing, and it should be taken seriously, but it's just like Billups has just been through everything. He and he didn't receive this much pushback until now, which is the strangest thing of it all. And well, like I'm not new, dismissing it. I'm not it's dismissing it. It's a new information, new information idea. Like you can't react to yeah, it back yeah. in all this time that we have reacted to it with Jason Kidd. Now it's all put into this one moment, and that's kind of what's happening. And it goes to different times, goes to different times. Yeah. But but Jason Kidd also said that he learned from his experience and. I think one of the Mavs front office, uh, she was like one of the main people to sign off for the kid deal and said that she had like a, a deep convo with kid on that. We don't know what that convo is, but yeah, I mean, if the Mavs organization signed off on it, they knew they was going to get this pushback. Yeah. As I said, I'm indifferent on it, mostly indifferent on the coach, mostly from like a basketball standpoint, X's and O's, because kid wasn't the best, but I'm going to bank on the fact that he learned, he adapted, and learned from a Lakers championship. Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know what Chauncey Billup offers as a head coach. I thought that there was maybe yeah, better he's kind options. Of a mystery dude. Yeah. And I think that maybe there was better options with less of this. But we'll see. I I was hoping for Becky Hammond. But apparently the Spurs yeah. were bashing her to the Blazers, which then Tim Duncan comes out and says that how is she not a head they were coach pushing yet? for her or no they were saying that she, like they were telling the Blazers like I saw something that like um someone had said that she wasn't a good coach like the Spurs or something like that and like there was all this pushback the Trailblazers received less than glowing feedback from the Spurs on Becky Hammond and I haven't I haven't really dove into it yet but then I see on Twitter that Tim Duncan was like, yeah, that's not true. So it's weird. Because I thought she would have been a good fit. But I don't. She would have been new. It would have been a new answer. She's someone who learned from pop, which is a big thing. Mm-hmm. And she's played the game of basketball. Had a career in WBA. It's a lot of experience. Like, she, she's qualified. She's been on yeah. an assistant coaching roster for a while now, and she even took over a game as a head coach. Yeah, I, she deserves a shot. And with a lot of these teams being, you know, some of these teams aren't even, like, competing. Like, with the, yeah. you can afford it. It's another team. Like, the Magic can take a shot with that. Portland... It's mostly because Becky will be a new new head coach, so obviously there would be a lot, a little bit of pushback. But she's she has experience. 
there has to be a team out there to say, you know what, we, we'll take that on. We'll take up that new experience. And I'm actually surprised that the Mavs didn't, because they're, they're a team that seems like they would be all in for Becky. I'm just kind of surprised they didn't go for her. Yeah, I'm 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 surprised that the Blazers are saying that they got less than glowing feedback about Becky Hammond because it seems like most people like her. But I I don't know, man. That's weird. It's very weird. Anything else you would say about this Portland topic and everything? I, I, it's all up to Damian Lillard. If he wants to get traded or not, that changes the whole situation. And with that being said, we're going to take a quick break. After that break, we will come back and discuss some Green Bay Packers stuff and some Philadelphia Eagles stuff in the NFL section of this podcast. So we will be back in a few. Hey, we're coming back on the Play Call podcast, episode five, and we're going to wrap it up a bit early today. And we're going to talk about the Green Bay Packers in the fell section right now. (laughs) I know that you have a lot of feelings on this. So the Packers are in a crossroads now with Mr. Aaron Rodgers. There's been a lot of reports, a lot of talk, some interviews, and it seems like Aaron Rodgers may not be, may want out of Green Bay after spending his entire career with them. And he just may want to go in pursuit of wanting to win and wanting to win now in the twilight years of his career. He's 37 year old. He's 37 years old now. And he's just, coming off a season he won he went 13 and 3 with the Packers lost in the NFC championship game to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and it it, this is you know a lot of stuff is happening with this Packers team Uh, they they got a lot of decisions to make and they gotta make it quickly I know that you want to get into this and Aaron Rodgers is your favorite player, Mr. Jose. And well, what is the no. situation? He's not your favorite not player? Any, no, not anymore. But Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Not anymore? Yeah. But, like, no. Okay. Oh, switch up on Aaron Rodgers. Wow, like, dude. Define favorite player, though. Like. Technically, like, if we want to be realistic, like, anybody on the Giants is my favorite player. Well, how can you not think highly of him? I've said anybody on the Giants is, like, anybody good on the Giants is going to be my favorite player because the Giants are my favorite team. And then, like, Odell. I mean, it's just the way you talk about Rodgers and, like, bring him up in conversations. And you think he's better than Tom Brady. Well, so he is. I got like, I, I feel like it's not an argument. All right, okay. We're not getting into that discourse. <laughs> Outcome another time. Just like the LeBron and KD one. 
I mean, like, but okay, it's it's the, all right. This the the difference is the most winningest quarterback compared to the most skilled quarterback. What I just tell you? Anyway, I, I know. You're, I think <laughs> you're dying, man. I know you're dying. I I because like. All right, talk your shit. Talk your shit. Go ahead. Go uh, ahead. Like, I would say that the Green Bay Packers have literally. I don't think I've seen any sports team disrespect their star player like I've seen Aaron Rodgers be disrespected. Like, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. How have you never built a good team for him? never given him a good option to throw to, never given him a solid defense to like two years ago. How have you never supported him in any way? How have you, how have you kept Mike McCarthy as your head coach for numbers of years where he was literally pointless? Sorry, Nick. He sucks as a head coach. Sorry. His offensive scheme is pretty much trash. I could think of a better offensive yeah, scheme than him. You had to get that shot in there, right? I did. It, it felt good. Anyway. Well, well, let's pump the brakes. Wait, wait, wait. Let's pump the brakes a bit. Well, their offense did get much better with their new head coach now from Mike McCarthy. But you said that they didn't have a good roster uh, around um, – Rodgers and that they didn't really have options. Do you think that this offense as it is now, is it good enough? Because they, they almost got to the Super Bowl. They went 13 and three, two years in a row. Like, is this really a bad team from your perspective? Or it's just, or it's just a situation where they're good enough to get to like, the NFC championship, but not to the Super Bowl because they were they were almost there. How serious do you so, want me to answer that question? Like, do you want me on, to spit facts in your face, or do you want me to like be like the simple answer is no? This roster outside of his defense sucks. Well, we, we only, we try to speak facts on this podcast. Okay. So. Wouldn't you say that? I'm looking at it right now. And. He threw three touchdowns. And had an amazing game in the last game of this series. And there was some throws that only two other quarterbacks in the NFL could have made. And both of those quarterbacks are not Tom Brady. His defense, well, Aaron, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, they're the only two quarterbacks better than Aaron Rodgers right now. How is this roster okay? Like the offensive line is like the, the roster doesn't suck. 
right? It's just okay. But the only way that it gets to a Super Bowl is if Aaron Rodgers plays amazing and they lose still. So, like, how do you – I the, the play going into halftime, what the hell was that? Like, I know this is bringing up, like, old stuff, but, like, I – it's just disrespectful to Aaron Rodgers. It doesn't make sense, man. Like Whoa. the roster could win a Super Bowl, but you take Aaron Rodgers off the team and the roster is Enough. maybe better than 500, probably not. Yeah, enough. But wh- where do you think the need lies in? Where do you think they need to 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 get this this team to the next level within that offensive line. Like they have Devontae. The offensive line is fine. The offensive line is fine. fine. Yeah, the offensive line is fine. They need so a I'm good they need it a wide receiver. That's what they need. No okay. offense to Devontae no, Adams. Devontae Adams is awesome. Great Adams. Cause I think I like Adams. I don't think he's that bad. I don't think he's that bad either. But there's a lot of wide receivers who I would say are better than him. Like, not like 20, but there's... Better options out there. There's a lot of better options. Like, I really wanted them to go get Julio Jones. That would have been awesome. Like, if they had Justin Jefferson, they would have been in the Super Bowl. They probably would have won the Super Bowl. Like, they were... They were Justin Jefferson away from winning the Super Bowl. And I will stand by that. They were a Justin Jefferson away from winning the Super Bowl. Instead, they decided to draft Jordan Love and lose before the Super Bowl off an amazing game by Aaron Rodgers. Well, like you can't. What? Let's God. get to that. Because the whole Jordan Love and Justin Jefferson debate, they did try to trade up for him, though. Wasn't that a report out there that they tried to get him, but I think the trade fell through or nothing happened there? I thought they traded. Let me look at the draft. Because my thing is, is that, all right, you're getting, you draft the, a QB. You still have your franchise QB there and you don't really get him that much help so what's the point in drafting Justin Love if you don't want to let go of um Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers is there he can you know be a mentor to Love and at least help him there but what's the future of Justin Love with this team if they're not you know trying to branch off from Rodgers Okay, a quick segue to something. Uh, they were a T. A T Higgins away from winning a Super Bowl. I'm gonna just say that too. T. Higgins is the would be the second best wide receiver on that team, uh, and he got drafted after the pick. But uh, yeah, uh, you don't think what'd you say? All right. It's just what what is what is what is love's future with this team? 
don't know. What what is he good at, and what what can they latch on to to say, all right, we're ready to move on from Rogers? Because I feel like they don't want to move on from Rogers because they're not comfortable with love. Yeah, like love is a big arm quarterback who can't throw accurately and you can teach accuracy and like it's better to have a big arm and then learn the accuracy part and so that's awesome like it makes sense but yeah like it's a little early to have like what Aaron Rodgers 37 and he just won an MVP like if Aaron Rodgers is on the trajectory of Tom Brady Aaron Rodgers could be playing when he's 42, right? And still be like, okay. Why would... I mean, he he lost some of that, you know, athleticism. He can't really, like, make plays like he used to back then. He still can, but not to the elite level where he can take advantage of a broken play and then just just make some magic. Yeah, he literally... He carried that Packers offense for a very long time. And now he has, well, now he has a head coach that knows how to call offensive plays and run an offensive scheme, which seems like should be the bare minimum of your head coach or offensive coordinator, which the Packers did not have with McCarthy. But now he can run a scheme, and that's pretty cool. Like, he could run play actions. He could run creative plays and you give Aaron Rodgers creative plays and creative ways to get people open. He's going to cook you. And imagine, I don't imagine there's going to be a big drop off. Maybe next year, he's not the third best quarterback in the league. Maybe he's the fourth. Maybe he's the fifth, like the drop off in the next five years. Aaron Rodgers still will probably be a top 10 quarterback maybe three years. You didn't need to draft Jordan Love right now. And I think that's what the frustration is. Like, you didn't need to draft him there. And everybody knew Jordan Love wasn't ready to start games in the NFL yet. And he's not ready now. You also said T. Higgins was available at that pick, too, even if they didn't get Jefferson. T. Higgins was awesome. Like, what is... By the end of the year, T. Higgins was, like, cooking up defenses for the Bengals and was playing great. Like, I'll look up his stats, but, like, T. Higgins would have cooked for the Packers. Like, that's annoying because... I hate when teams don't help their stars and when their stars are generational talents. Like Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks to ever play football. And I feel like that shouldn't be a surprise to people, but it might be because no, he's up there. Yeah. Like he, you know, he was to say that. He was doing Patrick Mahomes stuff before Patrick Mahomes was in the NFL. Like, 
everybody's like, oh my God, Patrick Mahomes is so great. Look at all these crazy plays he was doing. Just go back and watch Aaron Rodgers and you would see the same exact thing. So like all the love for Patrick Mahomes is only because of Aaron Rodgers and people don't accept that. I don't know why. But like, it's just, why have you disrespected him so much? It doesn't make sense. Like, I, like I was trying to think of a like an, a sports figure on his level that has been treated the way he has. And the only thing I can think of is Messi the last four years at Barcelona. And that's it. Where they've made, Barcelona has made stupid signings that have not helped Messi. They made, they've paid way too much for people that hasn't made sense. And now the club is bankrupt and Messi's a free agent right now, and he can decide where he wants to go. Like, that's that's the reality of the situation. And now there's, like, a young player called Ansu Fati who they think is the new Messi for Barcelona. And he he's good, but, like, th- this is going to uncharted territory for you, I know. But that's the closest thing that I could think of. And that's it. Like, I don't know how you would... I just feel so bad for Aaron Rodgers. And that's the thing. Like I'm so passionate about Aaron Rodgers because I feel so bad for him that he's had to live his whole NFL career with a bad head coach, with a bad organization, which hasn't had, not bad organization. Sorry, Green Bay. You're a great organization, but you haven't helped Aaron Rodgers. And that sucks. And you could have. And he's what he's never thrown a touchdown to a first round receiver. Like, how has he never had any? That's a stat. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> how has he never had actual talent? Like Devontae Adams is really good. But Devontae Adams is good because he's technically proficient. He's never gonna blow by somebody. And you see when Devontae when a team double teams Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is not in the game. And that sucks. So they because get maybe, an option from that. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like, if you double someone and they're still cooking you, they're really good. Stefan Diggs. Odell Beckham. Julio Jones. DeAndre Hopkins. I'm trying to think of more names, but my mind is going blank. AJ Brown, DJ Metcalf, like all these players doubled are still going to cook you. Devonte Adams doesn't do that. And that sucks. Cause then his next odd option is Adam Lazard and someone with like three last names. Yeah. I was just about to say, how confident are you in, in those guys to, to be threats? Not much, right? No. So I, I would keep Devontae Adams as just most likely just see what other what other options I can get at wide receivers other than uh, Alan Lazar and you know, Marquise Valdez. But, Marquise Valdez, uh, Scantling Jr., something like that, right? Yeah, I can't pronounce that name. It's Marquise that, that, that Valdez, Scantling Jr. He's good. Okay. He's really good. But on another team... I can't pronounce. I can't pronounce. It's just it that just they hurts. went thirteen and three. They had to 
one of the best offenses in the league. Do you think that Mike McCarthy is is like the sole reason to blame of, you know, kind of held back Rodgers from winning more Super Bowls? Because there was a lot of – there was some down years where it's just like their offense was like – <laughs> Seemed like it was more scheme wise than just you know Rogers being. That's exactly what it was. Like, yeah, I I I don't like. I feel like people didn't realize that you could like there was two coaches who were smart and figured out that maybe what we should do to help out our quarterbacks is run cool play actions for them and creative schemes in the short game to get players open, like pick plays and slant routes and crossing routes and hitch routes and comeback routes in order to get our wide receivers open, like what the Patriots did, what the Saints did. And they were like the only teams that really did creative stuff for that. And then like you have uh, McCarthy pretty much just say, run our players at defenders and see what Aaron Rodgers does. And let's run the same play over and over again. And maybe it'll work because Aaron Rodgers is awesome. Yeah. Like Aaron Rodgers fixed many broken plays. And now he has someone who is intelligent and can run an offense and is creating schemes for him. Like, I think I read a story last year that, or the first year that he had it, like he was confused with the offensive system. You want to know why? Because he's never seen anything that complex in order to get players open. You want to know why? Because McCarthy's offense was trash and was super simple and did nothing to help the quarterback. So, of course, Rodgers would be shocked by a complex offense ran to help the quarterback have more plays because he's never seen that before. You're giving me some, some, some. You put me through an emotions because this dude is my head coach. <laughs> I know. So, <laughs> and it's funny. Because Dak Prescott is like a top 10 quarterback. He's good, right? Top 10 quarterback. But you know how much talent he has to throw to? Yeah. That Rodgers never had? Imagine someone so much better than Dak with the same options. If Rodgers had this Dallas team. (sighs) Bro, they'd drop like 50 a game. They'd drop 50 a game. It would be like KD, James Harden, Kyrie Irving on the Nets. Like, you'd be like, what the hell is going on? It would be beautiful, man. It'd be amazing. And so, like, all right, I know you don't want to do this conversation, but imagine Aaron Rodgers on the Patriots. Just, Just flip those two. Tom Brady is great. He has an awesome arm. His arm is undervalued by a lot of people. But for a time, his arm was a little shaky. He's still a little shaky when the pocket collapses around him. You never have to worry about that with Aaron Rodgers. I just I just think that's the thing. And then you give Aaron Rodgers a 
really good defense for many years in a row where he's only now getting a good defense plus a good offensive coordinator plus a head coach that knows how to value his players and make them better just imagine a lot of stuff would just be sold if we just got good talent around you but a lot of stuff like that in in sports is much more complex like I'd imagine they went out and try and get like free agents or make trades or some reason it probably didn't pull through. They probably try to get, you know, Rogers some talent, but it just didn't go well for them. They have never drafted a wide receiver in the first round where Aaron Rodgers has been in their team. It's a, never a wide receiver. I'm like 95 percent. That's been like early 2000s. This man has been there since like forever. Like he's given. That's another thing. He's given everything to Green Bay. Yeah, he, bro. He's given everything like you want from him. Like, like him saying, "You know what? I want to leave." Like you, you can't blame him. If if he ever says that, well, he's kind of okay. Like, In 2005, dude. One team. Are you ready for this? You're not ready for this, bro. Got more Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers propaganda. The last offensive player. The last offensive player, not even wide receiver. Running back. Oh, well, actually, no. Technically. Last offensive skilled player, because they drafted two offensive linemen. That they have drafted before Jordan Love, the last offensive skilled player in the first round was Aaron Rodgers. Let that let that sink in. The last offensive skilled player they have drafted in the first round since before Jordan Love has been Aaron Rodgers. It went quarterback Aaron Rodgers in 2005, linebacker, defensive tackle, no pick, defensive tackle, linebacker, offensive tackle, offensive tackle, defensive end, defensive end, safety, safety, nose tackle, no pick. Corner, defensive end, safety, quarterback. Cornerback. So, like, when I tell you that Aaron Rodgers is the most disrespected player to ever play in any sport, I am not lying. It's just I don't, I don't know if there's I don't know if I can come back come back that or think of anyone right now. Okay, think you about said it. messy, but you know. We'll, we'll we'll talk next week and maybe we'll start off the podcast with that. But like, bro, like maybe you'll tell me something. But like, what is it? LeBron? First, well, like, 
but then he left and won rings. Like he was only there for seven years. And Rodgers has been with his team since 2005. That's true. But it's just like, all right. Do you think he suits up week one for them? I really don't do want him should? to. Okay, that makes sense. But I think he probably will. Like, I don't... The Packers don't want to trade him. And I don't know if he's the type of person to sit out a season. And I think he he knows he's good enough to bring this team... He's not a he's not a diva. So people always say he's a diva, but he's like his divaness is explainable and makes sense. Like I would be very upset if my general managers never helped me at all because all the defensive players that they drafted, their defense was never really that good until like a couple years ago, where they sign defensive players in free agency but before then like no they no like I feel so bad for Aaron Rodgers because he should have a lot more Super Bowls and does not that is true that that is one thing I can get to you on is that his talent level and with this Packers team and the organization, it should have more Super Bowls in his time. It should be at least three, at least. But when you see like Tom Brady have like seven and all that, probably won't get to that, but he should have way more than that. Um, what was I, I mean, say? like, I know this is, this is not the conversation but I looked back at the 2016 OKC team and it made me sad because that was trash. And that's why KD left. How was Aaron Rodgers not left this team yet? Like how is this the real first time where people think he might be leaving? I think he's been more so content with being in Green Bay. But I think he's just been content overall. Like, he's fine with staying, but at the same time, he's he doesn't mind leaving right now at this point. But he's I always think, content. I think that the issue that pushed him over the edge was the Jordan Love situation. And not getting like I, that, that help. That like, I think if they didn't even, like, let me, let me look at oh, – close the draft window damn oh no i got it let me think if they like drafted patrick queen out of lsu who got drafted by the ravens who is a really good player like who's a inside linebacker like if they would have drafted anybody but a quarterback i think he would have been okay so you think just them drafting a quarterback shook him the yep. wrong way? Yeah. And then he went on his revenge tour and what? Let's let's Show let's, him. let's let's look at his stats real quick. He led the league in completion percentage. He led the league in touchdowns. 
had five interceptions. Imagine throwing 48 touchdowns and having five interceptions. Well, he's never been like a guy that would get a lot of interceptions in his career. And that's, and he takes impressive a lot of throwing risk, bro. He has less than a hundred interceptions for his entire career. Which makes him even more great. Like he takes a lot of risk, but you you live with those those risks because he can he can connect on those passes and he doesn't he doesn't turn the ball over that much. So he's a gem of a player and he's always been. But his quarterback just, his touchdown what he does now. His touchdown to interception ratio is four point six. He throws almost, if you want to round up, five touchdowns per interception. He has thrown 412 touchdowns to 86 interceptions. What the hell? What the hell? The hell? The 48. Uh, touchdown is like a career high for him. Well, yeah, like this Last whole league is offense. 40 was like in 2016. Yeah, he threw 45 in 2011. Like, dude is wild. Let's just... Is that 2011? Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Like, Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks to ever play football. Whether he is the best is our... Is debatable, yeah, for sure. Like it depends on how you value success and the best player at a position. That's that's fine. Aaron Rodgers is just wild, and like his skill level is beyond many quarterbacks that have ever played the position. And for him to have one Super Bowl is not his fault. Because he damn near brought them to a Super Bowl this year and got beat by the better overall team with the better coaches. That's That's, really the only thing. But as you said, it required like a superhuman effort by him to get that far. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. Like, I'm trying to look at like... I know that I read a stat once that like his playoff loss numbers are like some of the best ever. And I'm trying to look at them. Like when he loses a game, like he has in in a mate in the playoffs, like his losses are incredibly good. And then again, who do you think that's on? Like I'm trying to look at his, games a loss against the Arizona Cardinals in 2019 he threw 423 yards four touchdowns and an interception he won the Super Bowl the next year like his his he has one, two. He has only two games 
in a loss under a 90 quarterback rating? All the other games he was really good in. That's that's pretty much what it is. A superhuman effort. But he's gotten the team so far, like, through his career. Like, they, they just don't go down and just lose, 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 lose. They're always, like, competing. Yeah, the only so, time they're not competing is when he's hurt. True. So, I feel like the front office may have gotten used to, like, superhuman. And it happens sometimes in a lot of front offices where they get used to the superhuman effort. And it's just like, all right, we're content with the team we have out now. We don't really have to get this this guy much help. So, and you got to go through the years of um, McCarthy. So it, it's a lot of things um, that got to Aaron Rodgers through his career. He still had a damn great career, but I, I don't know. Do you see him winning a Super Bowl anytime soon with this team? Not with the Packers. Yeah, not with the Packers. So what would Bro, be a good, he could go? He could go to the Denver Broncos, yes, and maybe win a Super hearing. Bowl. That was what I was hearing. He could go to any. I would say going to the AFC would be hard, because if he goes to the AFC, he's the third best quarterback in the AFC, mm. like Mahomes and Allen. And then even then, like there's a lot of really good teams, like. The Browns are awesome. The Colts are sleeper favorites. They're not going to the Super Bowl, but they're contenders. Like, there's five. He needs to just go to a good team in the NFC, and he's going to the Super Bowl. Like, get traded to the Saints, and they're going to the Super Bowl. Get trade, bro. Get traded to the Giants, and you're going to Super Bowl. Get traded to the Cowboys, you're going to Super Bowl. Uh. Get traded. Who else is in the NFC? The Eagles. No, they might not go to Super Bowl. No. He would be going from worse to worse. That would suck. Um we're gonna talk about the Eagles, but we're gonna I can't say Rams because the Rams got Matt Stafford, so they're not gonna trade for Aaron Rodgers. But like there's less contenders in the NFC. And I think that's like the NFC is the NBA East. So like basically. <laughs> like Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers is able to go to the playoffs every year because who in his division is gonna challenge him? Maybe the Vikings. That's that's about it. The Vikings are a really good team. The Bears I don't see Justin Fields really doing that much. The who? What about the Patriots? Well, I think that goes without saying. I think with the Patriots in the AFC, he's probably going to the Super Bowl. But they also built a team to help Cam Newton, which might not help. Aaron Rodgers the same way it helps Cam Newton. They would, yeah, they would have to retool it, but it would. No, I'm just saying it would just be funny if you know, even if they didn't know go with the Cam Newton direction, they got Aaron Rodgers after Tom Brady left, 
I thought that would have been pre- pretty funny. That would have been nice. But... I would have enjoyed that. Because then you would you could have seen the argument of Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers in front of you, and that would have been really cool. Oh, you you would eat that up so much. I know you would eat that up. Bro, you know where I want him to go? To the Giants. Daniel Jones, the two first drought, drown picks that we got for next year, and like two <laughs> other ones. Package ready. Yeah, bro. Bro, for like Aaron Rodgers, a sixth round draft pick for Daniel Jones, two first round draft picks next year, and other first round draft pick in like two years and like a third. It's not. Call it a day. It's not happening. I would so you, you would trade a future in well, actually, I was going to say you trade your future in Daniel Jones for Aaron Rodgers. Probably like a few years of Rodgers and then go from there. Yes. I, I don't think I would even think about that. I like Daniel Jones. He's a solid quarterback. But, but you're not guaranteed a Super Bowl. I think we would Or a be. Super Bowl win. Yeah, Super Bowl win isn't where I would be mad about. I would say we're going to the Super Bowl. This Giants team with Aaron Rodgers could beat the Bucks. I think the Giants right now have a better constructed roster than the Packers right now. And I would be fine with that. Okay. Like outside of quarterback. Okay. Okay. All right, all right, all right. I would say that you have... Okay, maybe I'm being a little biased, but I would be excited. The offensive talent, I would say kind of mat- matches with Green Bay? Or are we talking Green Bay or Bucks? No, 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 Green Bay. Green Bay, offensive Devontae Adams and uh Galladay like Adams. Yeah. Can you name the second option? Third option, well, I guess we already did. I was going to say, do you know who the third wide receiver is on their depth chart on Green Bay? On Green Bay? Well, we we already, it's Adam Lazard and then the guy with the three last names and Junior. Well, who, who, you meant like backup or like the the wide receiver list that they're already going with? What do you mean? No, I'm just saying like the wide receiver core. Like if you were to run down the names, like, the number ones are Galladay and Adams. Adams takes the edge. Lazard and Shepard, I would say Shepard. S- Michael Scantling Jr. and Slayton, maybe it's a little more equal. Then you have Evan Ingram. I don't know who the tight end for the Green Bay Packers is. Rudolph, again, tight end, don't know the Packers. I think they actually have a solid one. Let me Google that. But yeah, like Saquon Barkley is, I don't want to disgrace Adam Jones because I like Adam Jones. <laughs> you know, a, a lot of this will just be solved if he just comes to the Cowboys and just forget the Giants. Like we have much more to offer than just Zach Daniel Prescott Jones. and like two picks. first round draft picks for Aaron Rodgers. 
the thing is, I, I don't, because it's the Cowboys, so <laughs> not guaranteed a Super Bowl. Okay, I, wait. Yeah. So you're saying that Aaron Rodgers, after hating playing other under Mike McCarthy, is going to choose to go back and play under Mike McCarthy. We had a, no, no, no. When, if we had a younger Aaron Rodgers with Jason Garrett and with, I would say, with that 2016 squad, with the rookie Dak Prescott, if we had Aaron Rodgers at that time, Super Bowl. I don't think he would ever come back to a Mike McCarthy tune. It, it, it ain't happening, Chief. I, I don't I don't see Jason Garrett as much better than Mike McCarthy. So I would I disagree. I, I think know. Aaron Rodgers would just have the same exact issue that he was having with Mike McCarthy. Maybe because it would be a different person. But like LaFleur knows how to run an offense. Like he's it's a just, great just... offensive mind. It's just too Garrett much talent around Rodgers that I don't know. Would That's you true. would you really need like complex schemes to to get it to Elliott or Gallup or or the off offensive options here? Like, do you really need a complex scheme for that? Like, these guys can already get. No, open. but it helps. It, it it helps. It helps. Like, it would be good to go to on some plays where it's just like, all right, we need something. We need to switch it up. But like, I, don't know, I mean, Rogers with, with with some good ass talent. That's enough. Like sometimes it's just not even the coach. Like sometimes it could just be like how great a player is and how great a team is. Like Aaron Rodgers on the Cowboys, to... it would just be it would just be so much. It would be too much to bear. For I'm trying teams. to think of a player who had a lot of talent around him. And not a good coach. And I'm struggling. It's, it's Deshaun not, it's Watson? Not, it's it's a rarity. Like, it doesn't happen as much. Like, you get... You wouldn't have, like, a horrible coach. But you would have at least an average coach with, like, good talent. And they can at least do something or, you know, get far. But... Because I'm, like, I'm, like, trying to think. Like, Matthew Stafford, he didn't have much talent or a good coach. Deshaun Watson had talent and no good coach maybe we can go there but they also had no defense yeah, there's like factors you gotta put into it it's probably gonna be I'm trying to... thinking i don't know i i want aaron Rodgers somewhere that isn't green bay we know where it is the eagles no please no all right. No. Anything else you would say on this topic before we wrap it up? I'm excited for our football coverage in a little when we get to it. <laughs> Go talk about the Eagles, but you blew that off. I don't wish, I know you don't like the Eagles, but you know. I don't like the Eagles. They made me cry. They made you cry. But wouldn't you feel better now of seeing their team basically be poverty now? No. No. They have a Devontae Smith and I wanted Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith is a beast. <laughs> I know. Like he Alright, we're gonna save it for next week. <laughs> Alright. 
that'll be it for episode five of the play call podcast i am nick williams here by with here by my side jose roden and we are calling it a night